0: Yo, yo, what's up, guys? This is Nick Unplugged. Yes, that is the name of my podcast, Nick Unplugged, where we get real about life, relationships, the Bible, and ministry. Put your seatbelts on. We're going for a ride. And yes, this music is very loud on purpose because it's dope. (coughs) Hey, guys, if you're still listening to Nick Unplugged, you have no idea how grateful I am. It has been four months since I've released my last episode, and for that, I'm so sorry. However, I am back, and the reasons for me being gone so long is I'm just planning my wedding, life's getting busy, um, graduated college, just a lot of big things going on. But today, we're going to jump into the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8. Wow. Before I get started, I just want to say how good it feels to be back on the podcast. I have a lot of big plans this year for the podcast. I want to start video recording the podcast, start video recording these episodes and putting them out there. If you guys have any ideas, please shoot them at me at unplug.nick in my DMs on Instagram or at Nick Eggler on my personal page or at Nick Egler on Facebook. Facebook it feels so good to be back guys. I um, You know, I haven't been doing nothing the past uh, few months um, I've actually been in some deep study um, and some prayer and I say that without boasting simply because I want you guys to know that I truly do care about every one of you and every episode I put out I do with prayer I do with um, hopefully with the most understanding that um, I can have Uh, dividing the Word of God, just like the uh, Apostle Paul instructed Timothy to do, to study diligently, to be responsible in my study. And so I really hope that you guys glean something from this episode and that God moves upon you in these next few moments. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 8, let's dive right into it. Uh, Once we get in the first verse, it says, in October, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled with a unified purpose, at the square just inside the water gate, they had asked Ezra, the scribe, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey so on October eighth, Ezra the priest brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included the men and women and all the children old enough to understand. so there won't be necessarily a common theme with this episode. I simply just want to read my biblical uh, my notes that I've studied. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, the notes that I've taken and uh, the things that I have studied in this chapter. And uh, we're going to do some exegesis. We're going to get exegetical here and also going to get a little preachery. So you guys just bear on with me in this episode. And hopefully I'm praying that the Lord touch you as you listen today. October. Well, the Hebrew uh, for October is really meaning on the first day. Of the seventh month, it was about early autumn, and the people um, possibly gathered in the year that Nehemiah arrived, which would be around 445 BC. At that point, Ezra would have been there for probably 13 years. That seven month is known as Tishri. T I s h r i tishri it is um september through october and that time of year is marked um is marking the beginning of the civil new year and the month that yom kippur and the feast of tabernacles was celebrated i wish i could get into all of that what yom kippur is what the feast of tabernacles really resembles and i will do another episode on that but just know that this time of year marked those the beginning of those things okay the structure of Nehemiah chapter 8 we get into section 1 here chapter 8 verses 1 through 12 it's the initial gathering of the people on the first day of the month so section 1 chapter 8 verses 1 through 12 is the initial gathering of the people on the first day of the month the seventh month tishri october early autumn okay section two of nehemiah chapter eight is verses 13 through 18 so i'm kind of breaking it down here in different sections to help you kind of uh, visualize this better so we don't throw this all um in one big uh chunk here and get overwhelmed And I just want to sidebar and say that's a great way to study is break things down section by section. So section two, chapter eight, verses 13 through 18 is the gathering of the leaders on the next day that initiated the celebration of the Feast of Booths. Section two, chapter eight, verses 13 through 18 is the gathering of the leaders on the next day that initiated the celebration of the Feast of Booths. Okay, now I'm going to break this down into three sections. So we're going to verses one through eight. It describes how Ezra and others with him read and explain the law. So in these verses, Ezra stands up, he reads the law. We're going to get into that in more deeper context, and he's going to explain the law. So this is is a very powerful, powerful portion of this chapter, which we will dive into here in just a moment. Verses 9 through 12, it shows how the people respond to that, and that is also very important. Verses 13 through 18, it focuses on the second day's events, of further instruction in the reestablishment of observing the Feast of Booths. So we see kind of this chapter is two part. The first part, we're really, um, you know, in this in this, um Place where Ezra is reading the law, he's explaining the law, some others are interpreting it, um, and then we see the response of the people. And then we kind of jump from verses 12 to 13 to this whole other uh, part of the story where we focus on the second day events of the further instruction of what's going on and the reestablishment, of observing the feasts and the feast of booths, and um, this marking the beginning of the civil new year and so this is very very helpful um i would say to all of you guys listening when you're studying the bible don't just don't just rush through it but really take the time to study really break down pull commentaries pull different things i believe in the holy spirit i believe that god speaks to us through his word uh, but i also believe if if i do believe his word and i do believe god speaks i also believe that scripture is scripture and what i mean by that is you know, Paul told Timothy that uh, he should study to be responsible student of the word of God. And so just as much as I believe that God can speak to us in a rhema word, and what I mean by that is that he can speak to us outside of scripture, he can speak to me and say, hey, you need to turn right and don't turn left. I believe that God speaks through the Bible just as much as he speaks that rhema, he speaks through the logos, the written word of God. And so it is our responsible to study that, to divide that, to diligently divide that, divide the word of truth, to be responsible. As a preacher, oh man, as a preacher, I am responsible for dividing the word of truth. How can I as a preacher pray for five hours a day, but crack open my Bible for five minutes a day? It just doesn't work like that. The Bible is central to the preacher. The preacher cannot move away from the Bible. And uh, you know, too many preachers now all they do is pray and get involved in the gifts of the spirit, but they never read their Bible and they don't know Scripture. And it's so sad to see, because that is the foundation of everything we do is the Bible. If we don't believe the Bible, and the Bible is fallible and it's and it's false, then everything the preacher stands on is also false. So let's. Um, I, this is about to be a lot, but I, I hopefully I can break this down, and I will also try and put it in the comments. <clears throat> excuse me, put it in the comments, um, in the podcast. So, uh, section one, the reading of God's word. I'm going to kind of go through this a little fast. The reading of God's word is chapter eight, verses one through eight. We have a, the people are unified in their desire to hear the word of God. That's chapter eight and verse one. Then, uh, verse two is everyone who can understand God's word comes to listen to God's word. Verse three, the people listen to God's word attentively attentively. Verse four, the people prepared for the reading of God's word. And then verse four as well, the leaders demonstrate their desire to hear God's word. Verse five, the people show respect for God's word. That's a big one. Verse six, worshiping the Lord and the reading of his word go together. That's huge. Verses seven through eight shows the reading of God's word is accompanied by an explanation of its meaning also very important and then i also mentioned this earlier verses 1 through 18 is the reading of god's word and the worship of god is led by a godly man of integrity section 2 the reception of god's word verses 9 through 12 the people weep when they hear god's word verse 9 the leaders encourage the people verses 10 through 11 the people rejoice because they understand god's word verse 12 the response section 3 the, the response to God's word is in verses 13 through 18 the leaders want to gain more insight into God's word we see that in verse 13 the people eagerly obey God's word verses 14 through 18 the people rejoice as they obey God's word verses 17 through 18 and that concludes that I know I move through that fast but hopefully I can put that down in the notes um, in the podcast so you guys can see that visually and moving to that next section I um, that 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 note there. The people are unified, in their desire to hear God's word. Well, moving into that, I just want to I just want to set you guys up to really put yourself in the story, which which I really do. When I read scripture, I put myself back two thousand, three thousand, five thousand years ago, whatever it is, and I have to put myself in that culture. I have to put myself in that context. I have to put myself in that perspective i can't look at the bible through a 21st century lens it's never going to work because these weren't this wasn't written in the 21st century this wasn't written by people in the 21st century this was written by people in uh, 445 bc and 2,000 years ago and uh, when jesus was alive so to to culturally try and fit the 21st century in the bible doesn't doesn't fit in in a in a factual way because these people are living in a different time it does matter it really does matter So reading into verse uh, three here, let me flip to real quick, Uh, chapter eight and verse three he faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read aloud to everyone who could understand. All the people listened closely to the book of the law. So who is he? That's Ezra. Who is Ezra? Ezra is a priest. Ezra is a priest and um, he is central to Nehemiah chapter eight. Um, he's he's just as central as the people. Ezra was a scribe. He was a priest. And you, <clears throat> and you know, this brings up a really, really, really good point that all three there are three characteristics, three aspects of Ezra that, that really sum up uh, godly leadership. It is that one, we are to study the word of God. Number two, we are to obey the word of God. And number three, we are to teach the word of God. Ezra did all three of these. That's why he was a powerful and effective leader. Um, according to T.J. Betts on Nehemiah a Pastoral and Exegetical Commentary on page 136, he says a deficiency in any one of these areas is serious and that is so true so true so the people are unified in their desire to hear God's word everyone who could understand heard God's word. priests were guardians of culture they were guardians of tradition many scribes were also priests and community leaders and the group was not exclusive the people that were hearing this law hearing the law spoken by israel it wasn't exclusive it was to anyone that could understand anyone that could hear which i think is a powerful message as well the gospel of jesus christ is not exclusive it's not to those who are of a certain fold we know that when the new testament came when jesus came he tore that partition down tore that wall down that it was neither just jews just jews it was also gentiles so it was it it was Jews and Gentiles. The gospel is for everyone. And so this group was not exclusive. Even in the Old Testament, we can see this is an exclusive group of people. It was to anyone who could hear, to anyone that could understand. And that should be our aim and our goal when preaching the gospel. Who should we preach to? Well, we should preach to anyone who can hear and anyone who can understand moving to chapter 8 and verse 4 the bible says ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform that had been made for the occasion to his right stood Mattiah, shema and ananiah uriah hilkiah and messiah to his left stood badiah mishael malchijah Hashum, haspana zachariah meshulim ezra stood on the platform in full view of all the people and when they saw him open the book they all rose to their feet oh man i can't i can't get ahead of myself but um we're we're gonna get into all that because that that shook me right there scribes were scribes were experts so i want to stay on this for a second scribes were experts in the law of moses the people at the Watergate, the people here listening to the law of moses they are not just lackadaisically listening they're not just oh we have to be here well we have to listen to ezra speak no, the people at the Watergate—they're hanging on to every word of God, every word that comes from um, Ezra's mouth. They hang on to every word they hear from God's word because they realize that their very—excuse <clears throat> me—their very lives depend on it, and so the, so God's chosen people, they gather to seek to know God's purposes. They don't just gather lax a days clear just because they're forced to, but why do they gather? Well, they're gathering to know what is, what is God's purpose for my life? What is God's will for my life? And that's why we should come to church. It's, it's to know God's will. That's why we should uh, come to church to know what, what does God have for me? What is God's purpose for me? Um, shout out to, to kevin peterson from faith apostolic church in carmel indiana what a great example of this is that you know he was he was literally walking the streets of carmel saw our church and thought i'm 21 i just turned 21 and i'm desperate for the for something better something more purposeful in my life so i'm going to go to church he walked in and god filled him with the holy ghost and remitted his sins and waters and the water of baptism in jesus name and so he is filled with purpose why because he was walking and he said you know what I want something more for my life. Why do we go to church? Why do we read our why do we read the Bible? Why do we uh, pray? It's to have a relationship with God. It's to know that God is something more for me. Um, it's not just because, well, mom and dad are making me go to church or because I know this is a good thing or because I don't want to go to hell. It's because I'm sick and tired of living like this world. I'm sick and tired of, of feeling like there's something more for me, but I don't know what that is. I want to gather, to seek To know God's purposes and will for my life through what? Through his word, through the preached word of God. Well, this brings up an interesting point as well. Why? Why the word of God? Because spiritual renewal, and I would write this down, spiritual renewal does not happen apart from the centrality of the word of God. Spiritual renewal does not happen apart from God's word. It just, it's not, that's not, that's not biblically um, consistent. The fact that spiritual renewal would happen apart from from the God's word, those are congruent. Those are complementary. They those are together. You can't have one apart from the other. You can't have the word of God and God not want to restore you. You can't have the word of God and God not want to renew you, or or bring you back, or or, or, or clean you up. That's part of the word of God. So spiritual renewal doesn't happen apart from the centrality of the word of God. Why is the word of God so powerful? Why is the what word of God so important? Because it, it one or the other it doesn't happen. One or the other. It, once you get the word of God in your spirit and it's planted in your heart just like Peter is talking about a seed the incorruptible seed of the word of god when that is planted in your spirit what is cupped with that what is complemented with that what it comes with that inevitably is a spiritual restoration so the idea that you can be spiritually renewed by alternate means that is not the word of god well that's that's not true my friend only true spiritual renewal can happen with and congruent with the word of god amen Let's move to chapter 8 and verse 3. Chapter 8 and verse 3. Let's go ahead and read it one more time. It says that he faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read aloud to everyone who could understand. All the people listened closely to the book of the law. This is powerful. Literally, the Hebrew text reads here, and the ears of all the people were were to the scroll of instruction. They did this all the way from dawn to midday. So I'm going to read this one more time. He faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon, dawn to midday, and read aloud to everyone who could understand who's reading Ezra's reading, the priest, like we just talked about, and all the people listened closely to the book of the law. All the people listened closely to the book of the law. If you didn't know this, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew, and when we take that Hebrew and we break that down, it literally reads... And the ears of all the people were to the scroll of instruction. Wow. What a powerful visual. What a powerful visual we have there. Think about somebody with the law in their hand. Think about Ezra with the law in his hand. And as if somehow all of their ears could be physically pressed against the pages. For they hung on every word that came from his mouth. Chapter 8 and verse 4. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform that had been made for the occasion. To his right stood Matahiah, Shema, Anahiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Mesaiah. To his left stood Badiah, Meshal, Malkajah, Hashum, Hashpadina, Zachariah, Meshulam. Wow, those are some names I probably butchered. My lord, hopefully no scholars are listening. Wooden Podium. So what did we read here? Ezra, the scribe, stood on a high wooden platform that had been made for the occasion. I just want to say, wow. So you're telling me these people thought, man, this isn't just another day that we're just, oh, we're just going to church. Just hearing the word preached again. No. For this one occasion when Ezra would read the law, they felt it was so vital. It was so important. It was so awesome. They literally built a a pulpit just for this one occasion. Actually, a wooden podium. Actually, it's in Hebrew translated as a tower of wood. The people made the podium in preparation for the reading of the word. Has made is in the passive aspect of the verb. So they literally made a tower of wood from Ezra, for Ezra to preach from for this one occasion. I mean, think about it. And this, and this brings up a whole nother message that I'm thinking about writing. Preparing the podium, preparing the pulpit. You know, it's not just your pastor's job to, to study Monday through Friday so he can feed you on Sunday. <clears throat> what are you doing as a saint, as a, as a person in the congregation, to prepare the podium? because once these people heard that Ezra was going to read the law to them they go oh man we, we got to get it we got we to gotta prepare it. we got to get it ready we got to get this ready we got to set this thing up so that the man of God is ready to read the word of God to us because our entire lives hang on this word and so they're, they're I could just see them right now in in this context what are they doing they go, oh man and I could just see the people in, of, of Israel they're running around running in, um, in, the, in the local area and they're, and they're gathering wood and they've got carpenters ready on the side and they're they're passing off the wood and they're shaving it and they're sanding it and they're they're putting it together and they're preparing and they're, and, and, you know, they're coming down the last five minutes are like, okay, we only got five minutes left. Come on. And they're, they're hurrying and they're, and they're building and they're preparing and they're eager and they're ready. And they're like, okay, everybody in their place, everybody in their place. And they've built this tower of wood just for this one occasion. So I ask you today, like, what are you doing as a, as a brother, a sister in Christ, as a man of God, as an elder in your congregation To help prepare the podium for your pastor every Sunday, every Wednesday. What are you doing? Because it's not just on your man of God. For they built a tower of wood. Let's go to verse 5. Ezra stood on the platform in full view of all the people. When they saw him open the book, oh man, what did they do? They all rose to their feet. Now, why? Why? I I ask myself this. Why did they stand to their feet? And I found out that in that culture, standing up was a sign of extreme respect. Now, I know things may have changed in this culture, but at least I know in the church culture, standing up is also a sign of respect when we read the word of God. And I think, I think that's awesome. I think that's admirable. And I think we should continue that is to stand up, to stand up. We take our hats off for the Pledge of Allegiance we should be able to stand for the reading of God's word in that culture. Standing up was a sign of extreme respect. Wow. But, but let's take culture out of it. Let's take culture out of it. Just think about this. Think about, I just want to stress how important they felt this was. It wasn't lackadaisical. It wasn't, it wasn't just, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to listen to Ezra. It is what it is. This is cool. This is fine. It happens every so often. We're good. It was, we got to prepare the podium. And then, and then it wasn't enough. You, you would think, oh man, you would think these people would be tired after building this podium, after building this tower of wood. I don't, I don't want you just to view this little podium or whatever that we have nowadays. I mean, this tower of wood. They built this tower of wood all day. All day. For this one occasion. You would think they'd be tired, but no. No, even after that. Even when Ezra stands up and he's about to... He opens the book. When they saw him open the book. Oh, man. That's powerful in itself. Before he ever spoke a word, they just saw him open the book. They just saw him literally open the word of God, the pages of the law. Boom. They rose up. They stood on their feet. They were ready. Oh, man. What kind of reverence these people had for for God's word. Let's read verse 6. Then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted, Amen, Amen, as they lifted their hands. And then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now, I thought about it. In our modern day program of our churches, we have two songs, then offering, and then a song, and then preaching, and then another song, and then we go home. Or we have songs, and then we have preaching, and then we go home. Or we have preaching, and then we have some worship, and then we go home. But what I was thinking is, while, as we reading the law, They were praising God while Ezra was preaching to them. They were praising God. In fact, they weren't just saying amen. Amen. They were lifting their hands. They were bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces. I have to, I have to venture to say that there was probably no harp. There was probably no guitar. There was probably no drums. There was probably no track. There was probably no music. The music to them was the words of God. And again, let me get my, let me get my uh, source out here. TJ Betts on, on Nehemiah Pastoral and Exegetical Commentary. He said one of the most profound things I've heard in a while. Exposition and adoration belong together. Exposition and adoration belong together. How can I exegete the scripture and not want to worship the Lord? How, how can I study the Bible and not want to... Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. How can I not worship God when I study the scripture it is inseparable it is, it is completely inseparable that exposition and adoration could, could, could be separate but, but in such beautiful words TJ Betts says exposition and adoration belong together lively, relevant biblical exposition ought to promote genuine adoration Let's go to chapter 8 verses 7 through 8. Verse 7, the Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Mesahiah, Kelita, Azariah, Josabat, Hanan, and Peliah, then instructed the people in the law while everyone remained in their places. Verse 8, they read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. Okay, let's break down some Greek here. Mebanim, means to cause or to understand Maporis means to make distinct or clear so when analyzing verses seven and eight um, it can get a little tricky because there's a lot of differing opinions and differing views um there exists disagreement on the definition of the hebrew words and Some say that since many people living in Babylon Babylon were unable to comprehend Hebrew due to overall lack of exposure because they were in exile for 70 years prior, it it was necessary for Levites to translate the text into their native language. Others suggest that the Levites used traditional scribal pointing when reading the law aloud, so they were pointing to, to, to what was being read. But there's also a third group that claims that these words demonstrate how Levites provided an explanation by teaching or preaching about it. So whatever it may be, we know that here in verses seven and eight, we see something is going on with translation. Um, I kind of lean towards that first one. To me, that makes most sense um, about how. Um, You know, since many people living in Babylon were unable to comprehend Hebrew, uh, it was because due to overall lack of exposure. They just weren't exposed to the language enough because they had been in exile for 70 years prior. Therefore, it was necessary for the Levites to have to translate the text into their native language. So, uh, you know, man, I mean, just I'm telling you, they could have just said, well, forget it. These people won't get it. Just whoever listens. No, it was we're, we're, we're building a tower of wood. Then before he even speaks a word, we're gonna stand, and then we're gonna make sure we have translators so everyone can understand. Wow. Well, guys, I I'm gonna stop right there for today. <laughs> I'm gonna stop right there for today, and we're gonna get into this, you know, next week the the rest of this chapter because man, this is powerful. But I, I want to leave you guys with 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 this. If this episode has <clears throat> taught you anything. It ought to remind you of what T.J. Betts said. That exposition and adoration belong together. That lively, relevant biblical exposition ought to promote genuine adoration. And this episode should also teach you that we are to take God's word very seriously. But in a way in which we desire it, not in a way that is obligatory. Well, I have to love God's word because that's what I'm told I have to love. Well, I have to stand for the word of God because if I don't, I will be shunned in church. Where is our desire for God's word? Where is our adoration? Where is our respect?